this morning, we are coming to the end of our journey through the Apostles' Creed. How have you felt about this journey through the Apostles' Creed? Has it been good? Has it been rich? It should be. This is the foundation of our faith. This is what we yearn to pass down from generation to generation. And so we have had, today we'll, we'll mark seven weeks of a deep dive into the foundations of our faith. The blood issues, the crystallization, the deposit of faith. This forms part of the whole teaching of Christ to the apostles. And then he charged them and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And I will be with you to the very end of the age. These are significant truths as we read through this. These are significant truths that we are to cherish because they, the deposit is like a treasure. And I think the beautiful thing about this is that it's an inexhaustible treasure. So many people have come up here, a lot of the preachers have come up and said, um, when, I remember when I used to recite this in church. So I'm not one of those, right? So, so I have never recited this in our church. But so when I come to it, I I don't have that background of like rote. And and so but I hope that as we come to the seventh week that we that we've discarded that that sense of it being rote, that we've now embraced it. That each of our preachers have enlivened each of these amazing truths um, in, this, in this creed. And, you know, the thing I love about it is that it's like this has been crystallized from the teachings of Jesus Christ. From the word of God by the early church fathers from the 4th century. And, and where are we now? 2022. That makes it about, what, 1,600 years? How many generations is that? Those are multiple generations. In different times and different places, this truth has been passed down. Some have been faithful in passing it down through hardship and challenge. Others have been faithful in receiving it. And in every generation, our charge is to unpack this in our time and in our context. And so, in the creed, I... I I looked through this, and, and this was part of our discussion, right? Remember, we, when we were planning this, we were saying, like, what are those things that we really want to bring to the community? What are those things that we want to share with Wellspring believers? And one of the major things was that, that there's, a, there's a great truth in this creed. It, it expounds so many truths, but, but if you have a look, I believe in God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And so the triune God, the triune God, the, the Christian God who is, um, who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's not just a, a single entity, but he's, there's diversity in the Trinity. There's diversity, but there's unity in the Trinity. There's this perfect community in the Trinity. There's amazing overflowing love in the Trinity. And out of that overflowing love, humanity is created. And I think that's something that we really can grab hold of 
and hold close to our hearts as we as we move into our lives and as we go to work and as we engage with our families in our homes and and all these things happen the concept of the trinity and the godhead should be something that informs the way that we approach family life that we approach church family life because here at wellspring we rejoice in diversity we rejoice that we are all different. We are not the same, right? We can't all be like Jeremy. But, <laughs> but, but we are all different. And we love each other. And God has called us together. And so we rejoice in that. And we pray for a unity among ourselves. And so, and also one of the things that as the, as the Trinity welcomes us as sinful human beings by Jesus Christ who came and presenced himself with us and and he was conceived he was born of the virgin he suffered he was crucified and he died for us as this trinity embraces us in a love that we cannot explain what is our stance as a church to people who come who come to wellspring maybe we don't agree with what they look like maybe we don't agree with what they stand for but this is a human being who jesus christ loves and died for and my prayer is that we would find a way to embrace people who find themselves on the margins of society for whatever reason we will find a home here and so and so as we as christ went towards um the cross we can see that for three days he's in the tomb and all hope seems lost right at that point i think rowan preached us through this part here is that right yeah um, three days, all hope seems lost. The oppressive power of empire seems to triumph. Evil seems to have won the cosmic battle. And then is the Sunday. And God raises Christ from the dead. I think it's Pope John Paul II who said, We are an Easter people, and hallelujah is our song. Indeed, we are an Easter people. And so today in this creed, we're going to look at the last line. And we're going to look at Chantal spoke us through or preached us through. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, followed by Pete, um, the forgiveness of sins. And today, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. The resurrection of Christ. And maybe you, you would think that I'm going back to the beginning or the middle of the creed. But there's something about when we say the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting that that links us back to the resurrection of Christ. And I want to unpack this, that this morning. And I want us to, to yeah, just to receive what is probably the most fundamental truth of the Christian faith. The central truth of the Christian faith. And that is the resurrection of Christ. So in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 16 to 19, the Apostle Paul tells the believers at Corinth, he says, For if Christ are not raised, then Christ, if, if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. 
And that's the truth. Because what are we here for? Why do we commit our time? Why do we commit our energies in worship and in coming to church and in ministries in the week and all these things if Christ has not risen? Because then with a club, someone asked, what's the difference between a church and a club? Someone asked that. The difference is that the risen Christ is here. And that our lives are united with the risen Christ. And so when we look at the, at the resurrection, we may have a tendency to collapse the resurrection to two things. So remember when Justine preached and she, she said that the virgin birth is one of those contentious issues where people say, what? Someone was born from a virgin, surely that's not possible. But I remember you said that that is a crucial fact of, uh, like, it's, it's a crucial part of our faith to believe that Christ was born of a virgin, that it was not of human descent. And so with the resurrection, sometimes we can focus so much on looking for historical proof. What about the empty tomb, man? Like, are you sure Christ died? And, and so you can focus on, on the proofs, the historical proofs of the resurrection, right? Or else on the other side, what we can do is we can, we can point to the inward change in the disciples and that can be what it's all about. It's like, it's just about an inward reality, just a private reality. For me, Christ has died. It's an inward reality. But this morning I want to direct us, there's a, a quotation by N.T. Wright, the famous English theologian, when he says on the next slide, he says, Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of God's new project, not to snatch people away from earth to heaven, but to colonize earth with the life of heaven. That, after all, is what the Lord's Prayer is about. I want us to think about that. When we come to faith, when we say we believe in Jesus Christ and, and we've accepted Him as our Lord and personal Savior, I hope that our, our hope in life is not just to be taken to heaven. Because there's so much more. God's new project is not about snatching us away and taking us to a place that is out of this world. It's about transforming this world through His people that He has called. And I think that's exciting, right? And so this morning what I'd like to do is to sketch for us additional dimensions to the, to the resurrection. And to look at some of its implications for our lives. <coughs> but before we go there, I want us to just pray and ask God to bless our time. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you, Father, you are King of kings and Lord of lords. You are God who has created the creator of heaven and earth. Father, we are humbled when we come into your presence. Father, words fail us. We cannot adequately describe who you are and what you mean to us and what you have done for us. So, Father, this morning I pray that just my meager way of trying to explain to us and trying to appreciate what you have done and what you are doing, Father God, and what you will do, Father, may it capture our hearts and minds as a church. May we think about these things and may your Holy Spirit make it come alive in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. So, before I head into this, I disobeyed a crucial instruction coming up here. 
I was instructed to issue a, a warm welcome to Mornay and Candice. <laughs> um, so you guys are welcome with us. Um, I'm not seeing any other visitors, but um, so we belong to, well, we, we are part of the life group with uh, Amanda, and so we've been part of your journey, we've been praying for you, and it's great to see you, uh, and I hope we can catch a coffee later and just connect. But um, God has been good. So when we sang that chorus, um, you know, when we stand in the goodness of the Lord, I'm sure that meant something special to you this morning. So it's great to have you with us. Um, but as we head into this uh, portion, you know, the, the implications and the ramifications of the resurrection of Christ, and we will link it to the resurrection of the body, because when the creed says resurrection of the body, it's not talking about Christ's resurrection, right? That, that has happened. It's talking about our resurrection, of our bodies, of the church. And so we will link the resurrection of Christ, but we cannot speak about our resurrection unless we speak about the resurrection of Christ. And so, in order to avoid some really strange sounding terms, it may not make sense in the way that I put it, but, but here are six elements of, that I'd like to guide us through. There's a, there's a theological truth in the resurrection that we must grasp and that we must hold close. Um, the heart of God the Father. And then there's a perspective of Jesus Christ who was resurrected from the grave that we also need to appreciate that has implications for us. And then the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who, who has been given to us by Christ as a comforter, as a teacher, as the one who journeys with us in this life. And then the community of believers. What a privilege. If I look around, I, I hope that we will get there. But I mean, this is our community, right? But we form part of a bigger community. We form part of the community in Cape Town. We form part of the community in South Africa, in the world. We form part of the body of Christ. And then there are political ramifications. And so just before you get a little bit edgy on that one, I will explain. But, but there are those dimensions that we need to be aware of. And then finally, ever broadening, there are the cosmological dimensions. Thank you so much to whoever saw that I needed this. It was me. <laughs> I saw someone else there. Okay, so... <laughs> So Jesus came to earth, as we look at the theological dimensions, Jesus came to earth with a mission, right? He came to earth with a very specific mission. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, the Word of God says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Was that not Jesus' mission? And so, we must be careful that we don't spiritualize these terms, right? It says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So Jesus comes from heaven, locates himself among his people, 
in living flesh, I mean, that is still something that we cannot become comfortable with that, people. We cannot just say that and then just like do mental assent to that and say, okay, okay, Jesus came to earth and, and then, and then, and then. No. God himself lived amongst us. That has to catch our imagination and our heart. The commitment. And you know what happened? The powers that be, the Roman rulers and the Jewish religious leaders, rejected his message and his mission. They rejected his message and his mission because Jesus didn't just die, he was murdered. He was crucified. The most humiliating death that anyone could suffer, Jesus endured for you and for me. Because he had a mission. And so as the world rejects Jesus Christ, his message and his mission, and a world of sin and violence and death renders its verdict on him, on the third day God comes and he renders a contrary verdict. God the Father steps in and renders a verdict that is exactly opposite. And he raises Christ from the dead. And I think there's significance in that, in the fact that God affirms this message of Jesus Christ. This mission of Jesus Christ. What does it mean for you and me? It means that, that with God we are majority. That we don't have to go with the flow. That we don't have to align ourselves with the world. We can stand out from that crowd. And we can stand with God and with His church. And we can say, this is what I stand for. Because God Himself has rendered a counter-verdict. Cancelling the verdict of this world. And so briefly, because I'm very aware of my time, we must move on, right? And, and, and a lot of these points are going to be a little bit open-ended because I do want to leave some space for us to discuss this in our life groups and maybe on our own to reflect because these are, these are deep truths. And so when we look at the resurrection from the perspective of Jesus Christ, we see that, and this may seem very obvious, but the risen Christ is the same person who was crucified. So remember... Jesus Christ who lived among his people, when he, was, when, he was when he was resurrected and risen, he showed Thomas, look, my hands, my feet. He was the same person and so Christ who was fully man is now glorified and exalted and is the picture of humanity glorified. Imagine what that means. Is that even physically possible? I mean, if you ask anyone, that is impossible. Who of you have known anyone to die and then you see them the next day? Or well, three days after, let's be fair. <laughs> I have not known that. Every funeral I have gone to has been a time of sadness. From the physical perspective. But when we are in Christ, is a reality that transcends the physical barriers and limitations of our world. And this is what we need to, we need to say, I believe in the resurrection of the body. Even though it doesn't com comply with the physical laws of this world, we 
we know that it's possible in God. God created the physical universe, but He's not subject to its limitations. God is not subject to its limitations. If God wants to raise Jesus Christ from the dead, He did. He raised Him from the dead. And so, as we stand in this reality, we see an exalted version of humanity in Christ. The future that awaits you and that awaits me. And so there's a 2nd century theologian, St. Irenaeus, who is famous for this quotation, you may have heard it, is that the glory of God is the human being fully alive. So it's almost as if when we, when we are bound by thinking about this world and what this world limits us to, and, and just our pursuits are just for the things in this world, then I'm only, I'm only joyful when I'm making it in life, right? I'm only joyful when, I, when, I'm, when I'm accumulating goods and, and I'm earning more money. And, 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 and that, that determines my, my happiness. But when we come to Christ, we need to have a different perspective. We need, we need to live, right? I'm not saying that we, that we reject those things, by no means. But, but we look at them differently. We look at these things differently. We say, Lord, thank you for my home. Thank you for my car. Thank you for the food on my table every day. But that's not what life is about. There's more. And so when we come to Christ, we look at ourselves and we see that the glory of God is the human being fully alive. Are you fully alive? God has invested in us so much. So much. There's talent. We are all different. If we asked anyone to come up here and do an announcement, it would not be in the same way as, as Jeremy. Because there can be only one. And there can be only one of you. And there's only one of me. We have not been made as carbon copies. And so this humanity in Christ is a, is a joyful humanity. I know we face difficult times. You know, the, we, face, we face very difficult times. That, that is almost like a euphemism, right? I'm, I'm downplaying that. Because we've had sad times. We've had challenges. We've faced illnesses that said no. You will not make it. The doctors have looked at us and said, I'm sorry to tell you this. We've, we've been there, if not ourselves, we've been there with family members. Hope, the hope of the resurrection replaces despair and sickness and hardship. The hope that we have in Christ. I love what I love what Justine said. Sorry to not check this with you before you, <laughs> but but you said it in public, right here in this church. <laughs> so do you want to know what you said? <laughs> so Justine stood here and said, you sat at your at your keyboard and you said, in your challenging time, health challenge, you said that my hope is in God, whether He heals me this side or the other side of the table. That is powerful. When you can say that, 
you have a different perspective. Your perspective has been changed. And so I want to encourage us this morning that, that we face so many things as a church, as families. Um, but the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us different eyes to see. I mean, we can mention people, right? We can mention Chantal and Petri. I'm looking at you right now. When, when that verdict was against us, there's hope. There's still hope. We find our strength in the resurrected Christ. This side and the other side of the grave because our perspective has been changed. So Romans 8 verse 18 to 21 says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. That becomes a reality to you and to me. Moving on. The Holy Spirit, from the perspective of the Holy Spirit, the link between the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of the believer is the indwelling Holy Spirit. When we make a decision for Jesus Christ, when we say, Lord, I place my faith in you, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, I receive your forgiveness. When we, when we come to that place with God, the Holy Spirit indwells us. And he assures us of a truth that in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20 to 23, the Apostle Paul uh, writes, he says, But Christ has indeed risen from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ we all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Do you see that Jesus Christ plotted the course for us? He lived as a human being. He was resurrected by God. He inhabited a, glory, a glorified body and was risen to God. And that is where we are headed. Christ is the firstfruits. And so we are not of all men most, most to be pitied. But yet, but, but instead, we have a hope that the world cannot comprehend. The world looks at us and wants to despair. We may even at times want to despair. But we must remember. We must remember our hope. As believers, we participate in this new life by Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's in the power of the Spirit that we who are in Christ belong to Him and are called to participate we aren't just called to, to, to be happy in the spirit and to be, have warm, fuzzy feelings about being part of the family of God. God calls us into participation in his mission. And whether it's by worship, whether it's by doing your job as an accountant or a doctor or whatever, those are the avenues that God seeks to call you into his mission. We don't have to all be employees of Wellspring Church to participate in God's mission, right? We can be who we are. 
where we are, and we can be participating in God's mission. And then the community of believers. As believers, we are called to participate in a new humanity, called out of the world to be a community, a family that reflects the diversity, the unity, and the self-giving love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is who we are as a community. Because the resurrection is a reality, participation in God's family is an expression of our commitment and identification with Him. So when we are part of the family of God, there's an expression of our faith that finds its place in this, in, in Wellspring. So that when people come into our space, they, they do drink of that spring. They can find that spring. People, something is seriously wrong when as a church, people can't find refreshing in the church. Something is seriously wrong when buffeted by the winds of life, people rather choose to step away from the church than to find solace in the church. How is that? We are called to be that community that surrounds and loves and cares for the community. And then, the one that you were nervous about, the political dimensions of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Philippians 2 verse 10 and 11, it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. John 20 verse 28, Thomas said to him, my Lord, my God. Do you know what it meant in those days to utter those words? To call Jesus Christ Lord in those days? N.T. Wright says that the message Christ is risen and Christ is Lord was and is political dynamite. Because for saying that, if Christ is Lord, then Caesar is not Lord. And then you're in trouble. And then you're facing death. On a cross for treason and you know maybe maybe you sit there and say but we're not in, 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 in ancient Rome and that's true but I think when we say Christ is Lord we are looking at the at the systems the oppressive systems and the institutions of this world that deal death and, and destruction and we are saying to it Jesus Christ is Lord do we have the courage to do that the empires of our world today. For the church through the ages and presently, this meant that no unjust system of authority could stand against the person of Jesus and the gospel of the kingdom of God. John Sabrino, a Latin American theologian, he says this, The resurrection of Jesus is a symbol of hope. I don't see how you can show love without being in solidarity with the victims of this world. And if you are in solidarity with the victims, I don't see how you can avoid the cross. The theology of the cross is a theology of love in our real world. And so I love that, that announcement of going to U-turn. I love the fact that as a church we took a moment and we said, wait a minute, let's take a walk through our community. And I saw, I saw you guys standing at Kevin's thing. That's where we need to be. That's where we need to be in the community with those who are on the margins. 
in solidarity with those on the margins. He understands the resurrection message as proclaiming the triumph of God over all injustice and violence, a message of hope for all victims. Solidarity is coming alongside and presencing ourselves with people, not sitting in this building and, and only praying for people. And actually going from here, when we go to work, when we go to our families, when we go to our communities, we find those people who need to know the love of a God who died for them and who was risen. And then finally, and I'm not going to do justice to this, and Petri will not be happy, but because of time, the cosmos, the resurrection of Jesus Christ even has ramifications and implications for the whole of creation beyond this earth and, and all I'm going to do is read Romans 8 again I consider that our present sufferings are worth nothing comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed for the creation was subject to frustration not by its own choice but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. There's that verse that says, all creation groans, right, for this liberation. So the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, he says, how can we compare this resurrected body to our natural bodies? And he says, I don't know what it's going to be like. We've seen Jesus Christ. He appeared. He just came through the walls and he appeared in the presence of his disciples. It gives us an inkling of what it will be like, but then he uses an example and he says, you plant a seed that has no life in it and, and up springs a plant. And so that difference between being buried and being risen, that's the difference of the resurrection body and that's what creation will experience. I mean, what? imagine the, the joy and the glory and so, this is the fullness of the gospel. This is the fullness of the ramifications of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The good news of the kingdom. And in closing, I'd like to read to you this last verse. What does it mean for us in Wellspring in 2022 today, as I look at all of us who are part of Wellspring? What does this mean that Christ has risen? That we can look forward to the resurrected body and the life everlasting from the message version I read death swallowed by triumphant life who got the last word O death O death who's afraid of you now it was sin that made death so frightening and law code guilt that gave sin its leverage its destructive power but now in a single victorious stroke of life all three sin guilt death are gone the gift of our master Jesus Christ thank God and now the word for us this morning, Wellspring. With all this going for us, my dear friends, stand your ground. Don't hold back. Throw yourself into the work for the Master, confident that nothing you do for Him is a waste of time or effort. I want to encourage us that nothing that we do for God in this context, in this time and place, is a waste of time or effort. No matter how small, 
having a coffee and going to someone who you're seeing standing alone, you don't know what you can be doing in that moment. I want to encourage us. Let us not grow weary. I know it's December. We are tired, right? I'll be the first one to say, but let us not be tired of the work of the Lord. Let us pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for this timeless truth of the Lord. That you died, you were buried, and that you rose again. Father, this has so many implications for us. I pray that these handles so quickly may, may resonate and may, may, may reverberate in our hearts and our minds. And may we, may we ask questions of it. And may we pull it apart. And may it become a deeper reality. And may it become part of our daily reality in our lives, in our families, in our society, in our communities, in Wellspring in the city of Cape Town and, and, and further afield. Father, I pray that our faith may be real because we have hope, hope beyond this life. Oh, Father, we are your people. We commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen.